0: Snop production. This is a moment of history that is a moment of truth. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines and big business. Who cares more about Wall Street than you and your family?
1: That was the moment that Fran Drescher, the nanny, stepped back into the spotlight for the role that I think she was born to play. She's the president of the Actors Union in America. So that was a week and a half ago when she announced that the actors were joining the writers strike, which is the first time they've joined forces in 60 years. This is a huge strike. It's over pay conditions and artificial intelligence. And it's ground the film and TV production industry to a halt in America and in some other countries, including here in Australia. And the way that Fran Drescher took up this fight is winning high praise from other actors in the industry whose livelihoods depend on better conditions.
2: She is phenomenal. She is just an absolute driving force. She's like a bullet train and she just takes no prisoners.
1: That's Aussie actor Kim Jackson, who you may have heard of or you may not have. She's been in some big series like NCIS and SWAT, but she really is one of those hardworking actors who is directly affected by the pain conditions that are being disputed at the moment in this strike. So she's our guest in this episode. She's here to explain what the strike is about and how long it could drag on for. First... Here are today's headlines with Katrina Blowers. It's Tuesday, the 25th of July.
3: Well, new plaques have been added to the Ben Robert Smith displays at the War Memorial in Canberra. The plaques are designed to acknowledge that the former SAS Victoria Cross-winning soldier lost his high-profile defamation case last month, in which the Civil Court found that he had committed war crimes during his time in Afghanistan. The memorial acknowledges the gravity of the decision in the Ben Robert Smith VC defamation case and its broader impact on all involved in the Australian community. The plaque says that this is the outcome of a civil legal case and one step in a longer process. Tom, I I think this was a a tough call for the War Memorial, Mm. but... I I actually think that this is quite nuanced and sensitive.
1: Yeah, well, in the statement, they've confirmed that they will be keeping the displays there. So there were some people calling for them to be removed altogether. Um, To this point, they say, we are considering carefully the additional content and context to be included in these displays. And the memorial acknowledges Afghanistan veterans and their families who may be affected at this time. So, look, I agree with you, Katrina. I think It's good that they keep them there, at least for now, and acknowledge the complexity here. And we must note as well that Ben Robert Smith is appealing that defamation Mm -hmm. ruling. So this story's not over yet. And there's big robo-debt news. Catherine Campbell, the most senior public servant involved in running the scheme, has resigned from her $900,000 a year Department of Defense job, after coming under heavy criticism in the Royal Commission. So she was head of the Human Services Department, which ran the scheme, and in the Royal Commission final report, it said that she was exposed to information that brought to light the illegality of income averaging, and she did nothing of substance. So after this job, she was moved around to some other high-profile and well-paid jobs in different departments. The job she's resigning from now is within the AUKUS organisation in the Defence Department, Um, but she's resigned now, um, but it doesn't close off future potential investigations under the Public Service Code of Conduct.
3: It is worth pointing out that at the hearing, um, she defended her handling of the scheme. She said she assumed it was lawful. Um, She also said she never sought to mislead the government. A lot's been made of just how much she was getting paid and whether or not she's going to be getting any payouts after resigning Mm. and uh, what the government has said on that front is that she'll be paid out any uh, annual leave that she hasn't used up.
1: This is the first person to face really direct consequences um, for their involvement in the scheme. Um, Other people, including Scott Morrison, Stuart Robert, Alan Tudge, have all faced, you know, serious reputational damage, but this is the first person to directly have to stand aside from their job because of this.
3: There is a big court battle over billions of dollars of iron ore underway in WA as Gina Reinhart defends her fortune amid a legal dispute over her father's legacy. Reinhardt's two oldest children and the family of her father's former business partner, Peter Wright, are fighting for multi-billion dollar stakes in a lucrative iron ore project that's half-owned by Rio Tinto. Last week, Reinhart lost a legal battle to keep thousands of pages of of evidence confidential. So that means that, uh, you know, the media can report on those and the public can uh, gain access to those. What an interesting case to watch, Tom. Wow. Uh, not only wow. because it involves so much money, but uh, I guess, you know, any case which involves families fighting over money. Um, Reinhardt's two children are both going up against her and it also... Involves Rio Tinto and the fact that it has been going on for so long, 13 years now. Um, they're looking at letters which were written back in the 1970s.
1: Yep, this will be an absolutely fascinating case. And yeah, as you said, just so much money on the line. And big news for Twitter yesterday uh, we found out that Elon Musk will be changing uh, the logo of Twitter from the bird to an X. And that's already happened. We've just opened up Twitter this morning and the bird <laughs> is gone.
3: Look, when I first heard this, I'm like, why would you get rid of one of the most recognizable brand names and logos in the world? It seemed weird and impulsive because he also put it out, you know, as another poll on, on Twitter. I guess now it's now we have to call it X. He put it out as a poll saying, hey guys, thank you for doing this. And also, could you come up with some logos for me for free? And there is a logo out there now. So who knows whether he actually paid for that or got that for free. Uh, But we need to look back in time. And he has been floating this for a while because he's always wanted to move Twitter away from this kind of um, town square type you know, um, opinion-based platform to an everything app where he wants to introduce kind of payments and, and to make it like a, an all-encompassing thing. So he is moving it in that direction, which he has flagged for a number of years now.
1: Wow. So, yeah, look, on one hand, he's either destroying it and this is, the, <laughs> this is a, a vital step in the destruction of this platform or he's an absolute genius and this platform... Yeah is on track to be something we have never imagined before.
3: Oh, time will tell. I, I look, I keep going back to this all seems weird. His behaviour seems weird. He seems weird. But he is a very successful businessman. So clearly there's some strategy at play here. Let's just see how it goes. But I'm mm. out. I've been out for a while and now it's turned to X. I'm 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 out even more.
1: I'm still checking it. I don't think he's building something wonderful here. I think he's out of his depth. I think this has all been a mistake. He even admitted overpaying $20 for it, and he's destroying its value, and he's not an expert in social media. And so I actually think this is all going quite badly. All right, we'll catch you later, Katrina. I'm about to go deep on the writers and actors strike. Over the weekend, the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, a man who earns around $40 million a year, made this comment about the Hollywood actors and writers' strike. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they are adding to
3: a set of challenges that this business is already facing.
1: As you might expect, that comment did not go down very well with Fran Drescher, the president of the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of TV and Radio Actors.
0: If I were that company, I would lock him behind doors and never let him talk to anybody about this because it's so obvious that he has no clue as to what is really happening on the ground with hardworking people that don't make anywhere near the salary that he's making. High seven figures, eight figures. It's like, this is crazy money that they make and they don't care they're like, Land barons of a medieval time.
1: Oof, she's not missing there, Fran. So let's get deeper into this. We'll get the perspective of a hardworking Australian actor who's spent many years working in Hollywood. Her livelihood depends on the sticking points that are part of this historic negotiation. Kim Jackson. She's appeared in 60 feature films and TV series throughout her career, and she's a union delegate. Kim, thanks for joining us. Have you ever seen anything like this strike in your career?
2: Oh, look, it's it's next level. And no, we, 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 I haven't experienced anything like this in my career. I think it's been about 40 something years since the last actors strike. It's madness. But but honestly, the, the things that are being offered to us by the AMPTP just aren't in any way what they need to be to keep actors employed and to keep actors able to actually be artists and and pay their
1: bills. Yeah, so I know there are a number of negotiating points. Can you give us a, a simple version of what the key sticking points are here?
2: The main ones kind of focus on residual pay um, and also uh, just, you know, making sure that residuals are covered for streaming services because that's kind of a new technology that's come in. Also, just general wages. Our, our wages need to be adjusted for inflation. Um, and when you're talking about real wages, um, infl- inflation adjusted, if, if we agree to the terms that the AMPTP are currently offering, our wages in 2023 would be lower than what we were earning in 2020. So for us, you know, it sounds like we're asking for a lot. We're asking for 11% general wage increase in year one and then 4% in year two, 4% in year three. Um, they've come back with 5% in year one, 4% in year two, 3.5% in year three. So it's just that that bump at the start that we need to kind of catch us up to the economy.
1: Okay. And residuals, explain that for us. How do they work? <laughs> how did they work in, in the olden days of normal linear television and, and how has streaming changed the game on residuals?
2: Well, it used to be that when you did a job, the the initial paycheck included really just one airing. And then as soon as you, or actually, I think it was just that, just the job, just the work time. And then as soon as the first airing came up, you would get the same paycheck again, in many cases, but often a lower paycheck, depending on what contract you're on and what um, size role you're playing. But then you would get checks that would come in every time it's aired anywhere. And the idea of that is kind of based on like when a writer writes a song, you know, you don't just pay them a thousand dollar fee for writing the song. They get paid every time someone wants to use that song for profit. And it's the same way as an artist paints a painting. And, and if you, you know, you want to buy that painting or you want to buy a replica of that painting, then the reproduction of that painting, then the artist needs to be compensated because their art is being seen over and over again and people are profiting from it. So, um, royalties on network shows, you know, you would you could make quite good money. You might get paid $1,000 for the gig. You might know that through the royalties over the next 10 to 20 years, you're probably going to make an, another five to 10 grand off that gig. With streaming, a lot of the time the the royalties are included in the initial paycheck, which isn't okay. And There's also, because we're not getting those network airings and the contracts, a lot of our contracts were tied to network and cable TV airings, we're not able to track how many views they're getting. And then royalties aren't coming in based on those views in the same way.
1: Okay. So can you give us a sense of, in just real life terms, how this is impacting the lives of writers and actors? Because a lot of people look at Hollywood and go, well, It's so glitzy and glamorous, and and some of these people make enormous amounts of money. I think people's sympathy is also limited by the fact that it's a very creative career choice, that people go into this industry knowing that it's sort of high risk, high return, potentially. So can you explain what the reality of these economic challenges are for actors and, and writers? How do their lives look financially?
2: Well, look, you know, a vast majority of the Screen Actors Guild members don't even make their insurance every year, which is kind of like a, you know, around about 30 grand a year. Um, So it's not like we're making a lot of money. Most gigging actors, and look, I'm a gigging actor, and and every actor is a gigging actor, even the celebrities. So most gigging actors will tend to hope to make, if they're lucky, kind of make insurance. But then, Mm. you know, maybe... 50 to 80 grand a year if we're lucky. If an actor is really lucky, they might be making over 100 grand a year barely. But unless you're a network series regular or a celebrity, it's really just a gig economy. And, uh, you know, for example, if an actor does an episode of a TV show in America, you might make 10 grand for a week and a half's work, which sounds great. But Mm. if you're only doing three of those jobs a year, Mm. then you really start relying on those royalty checks coming through to kind of back it up and also on the wage for that job, hopefully being high enough to cover the cost.
1: So two big Hollywood productions in Australia had to stop. They were right in the middle of production. That's Apples Never Fall starring Sam Neill and also Mortal Kombat 2. Another film, Metropolis, was about to start filming in Melbourne and that won't be going ahead. So how much is this affecting Australian crews, writers and actors?
2: Look, it's tricky because, you know, actors can work under MEAA agreements right now. So
1: that's the Australian Union?
2: Yeah. So it's sort of different. But as a SAG-AFTRA member, I feel uncomfortable doing that just in general. If the projects with the AMPTP, which is kind of the big gang of producers out in the States and, and studios and networks out in the States, then most SAG-AFTRA actors just aren't going to do it even if it is under an MEAA contract. Look, the industry's kind of ground to a halt worldwide because to sell a project, you need someone with some kind of notoriety in it. And Mm -hmm. that's why we really rely on, are so grateful for actors like, you know, Mark Ruffalo and Jane Fonda and Mandy Moore and all all the actors, all the big celebrities that have been out on the picket lines, Matt Damon, like they've all put so much effort into it. And of course, Fran Drescher for just leading the charge, like it's, it's for us, we couldn't do this if the celebrities weren't standing next to us. And other than the AI issues, many of these things don't super, you know, the the wage related topics don't really impact the the celebrities that much although there are a few things in there where star performers are are getting undercut because they're being pushed into different contracts that kind of haven't been updated since the 70s or whatever and uh, stuff's up their paychecks too
1: and can you explain the the ai issue yet is that that a sort of a, a fear from the future or is that already affecting actors and writers
2: Yeah, look, it is already affecting actors and writers. Absolutely. I heard an actor in a community group um, say the other day that she'd had a a director reach out, um, or she'd reached out and said, hey, do you need to do any additional dialogue recording, which basically means if they didn't record it on set properly, or if there was a sound issue with the wind or with noise in the background, you know, you come into a studio, you re-record some of your lines to match your movements in your face. And the director said, "Oh no, we don't need to. We've already keyed your voice into an AI generator, so we'll just use that if we need to make any changes. And we need to be protected for that. Um, And it's it's also background performers where, at the moment, they're saying um, that they want to they want the option of being able to scan one performer. Say, you know, hey guys, you know, everyone come in for a day. We'll pay you five hundred bucks. We'll scan Mm. your body, and that way we don't need background performers in scenes."
1: So is there any progress here? What What are the bosses of the networks and the streaming services saying? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Is there any sense that there might be some sort of positive negotiation happening here?
2: There's always light at the end of the tunnel. There will be a resolution. It's like when everyone was worried that COVID was never going to end and, and no one would go back to parties and hugging and we're all back at parties and hugging. You know, mm. it's we will figure out a deal. Um, it will end up being somewhere between the 11% we've requested and the 5% they've offered. Um, with the AI thing, I think that's a real, a real sticking point for actors and writers. So that will probably be something where the studios will, I hope, just have to kind of fold in order to, um, mm. reach terms, because I don't think anyone is going to fold on that. It's one of those things where we're not just talking about, um, oh, what what's going to happen in the next three to five years? It's one of those things where what's going to happen in the next 20 years? And if things get through on the contracts now and people start creating these things with AI now, um, we're not going to be able to reverse a lot of those things mm-hmm. if they've already kind of snuck through. So the actors are really standing there for the future generations and the future artists um not just for ourselves and i think that's what's so beautiful about it is all of these people are sacrificing they're going to be i mean it really is going to come down to it some people have been saying that the the producers and networks um or some of them are talking about well we'll just wait it out till the writers and actors lose their homes Mm. their mortgages don't have anywhere to live um that's just not acceptable so in my in my mind i think that these actors and writers really are going to end up into those in those situations and They're going to keep fighting anyway because it's bigger than us. And that's really what it comes down to. They're fighting for future generations.
1: How good has Fran Drescher been as an advocate?
2: Oh, my God. She's been absolutely incredible. She is just phenomenal. It's funny because you have this impression of her as the nanny and you're, and even, I was even, I was in the room, I voted for her. I was in the room when we got her elected. Like I still kind of had it in my head, like the nanny, the nanny, just get it out of her head. She is phenomenal. She is just an absolute driving force. She's like a bullet train and she just takes no prisoners. And knowing that she and a dear friend of mine, Ben Whitehair, who's the vice president of Screen Actors Guild, are in that negotiating room and on the negotiating committee, I really think we're going to be okay. I really know that whatever we're capable of getting, they will get. And Fran and Ben are going to be there leading the way and it's going to be incredible.
1: That was Kim Jackson. And as well as acting and writing books about the industry, she also runs an actors career counselling service called the Secret Actors Society. And the pay negotiation, trying to keep wages up with inflation, is going to be pretty hard. So many people in so many industries are struggling with that right now. Lots of our real wages are going backwards in this high inflation time. The AI issue will also be really interesting. I'll be fascinated to find out how they can find a way to protect the human likeness when it's getting easier to replicate with AI. And yeah, look, overall, hopefully they find a way through this and our actors and crews can get back to work because many of them are only just bouncing back from the pandemic slowdown.
0: Listener.